Porida, good morning. It's really great to have you with us in the parish of Cathlwchwr and Gorsainan today. In ordinary times, we usually meet in St Catherine's, in St David's and St Michael's, either in Gorsainan or Lecha. But today we find ourselves continuing to worship online and it's so lovely to have you with us. My name is Adrian, I'm the vicar, and I hope that you're encouraged and blessed by our service today. Today the church marks Candlemas, an opportunity to remember that time when the baby Jesus was presented before the Lord in the temple. And during the service, we're going to be thinking a little bit about what that, that tells us about Jesus and thinking too about the example of the people he met there, particularly Simeon and Anna. So lots to think about today. As we begin also, I just want to remind you that we are always here to help you, whether you belong to our church and worship with us on a regular basis or not. There are lots of things that we're doing at the moment to connect people during this troubled time, whether that be through offering practical help, perhaps shopping, perhaps turning isolation into connection by speaking with people on the telephone, whatever you need, do please get in touch with us and we'll try and do what we can to help. Rob Samuel, one of our church wardens, is coordinating a team of callers. And so if you'd appreciate a chat on a regular basis, then please do get in, chat, in touch with Rob, who will certainly be able to arrange that for you. As we begin our service today and begin to think about some of the things I've already shared, let me pray for God's blessing on us as we begin. Almighty and everlasting God, clothed in majesty, whose son Jesus was on this day presented in the temple in the substance of flesh, grant that when we are presented before you, we may have pure hearts and clean minds. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who is alive and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, now and forever. Amen. So let's worship together.
This is a reading from Luke chapter 2. The time came for Mary and for Joseph and Mary to perform the ceremony of purification. Uh, as the law of Moses commanded, so they t- so uh, so they took the child to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to is to be dedicated to the Lord. They also went to to offer a pair a sev- they also went to offer a sacrifice of a pair of doves or two young pigeons, as required by the law of the Lord. At the time, there was a man named Simeon living in Jerusalem. He was a good, God-fearing man who was waiting for Israel to be saved. The Holy Spirit was with him and assured him that he would not die before he had, before he had seen the Lord's promised Messiah. Lord's promised Messiah. Led by the led by the Spirit, Simeon went into the temple where the parents brought, brought where the parents brought the child to Jesus into the temple to, to do for him what the Lord what the law required. Simeon took the child in his arms and gave thanks to the Lord. Now, Lord, you have kept your promise, and you may let your servant go in peace. With my own eyes, I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples. A light revi- will reveal. Your will to the Gentiles and bring glory to your people of people Israel. The child's father and mother were amazed at the things Simeon said about him. Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, "This child is chosen by God for the destruction and salvation of many in Israel. He will be a sign from God, which many people will speak against, and so reveal their secret thoughts." And sorrow, like a sharp sword, will break your own heart. There was a very old prophetess, a widow named Anna, daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She had been married for only seven years and was now 84 years old. She never left the temple. Day and night she worshipped God, fasting and praying. That very same hour she arrived and gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were waiting for God to set Jerusalem free. The return to Nazareth. When Joseph and Mary had finished doing all that was required by the law of the God, of the, by the law of the Lord, they returned to their hometown of Nazareth in Galilee. The child grew and became strong. He was full of wisdom, and God's blessings were upon him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
may I speak and may you hear in the name of God, who is Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, we continue to find ourselves in the season of Epiphany. I don't know if you've ever heard somebody say, I've had an Epiphany moment, meaning that they've come to a, a new understanding or a realisation about someone or something. And that's what Epiphany is really about. You think about the journey that we've been on between Christmas and where we find ourselves today. It's really been a chance to think about the identity of that child born in Bethlehem. The first Sunday of Epiphany, we met with the Magi, and through their gold, frankincense and myrrh, they gave us some real pointers. They reminded us about the identity of Jesus. Then, afterwards, Glynn reminded us about the baptism of Jesus and how that was a moment of revelation, an opportunity to understand again the identity of Jesus. And likewise, last week, Liz helped us journey through the wedding at Cana, Jesus' first miracle. Each of these are an opportunity for us to reflect on who Jesus is, who Jesus is, and what it means to follow him. Well, today is Candlemas, and we find ourselves with Mary and Joseph at the temple in Jerusalem. As was their custom, according to the law of the Jews, they bring the boy Jesus to the temple. And there, at the temple, they come face to face. They meet with two people, with Simeon and Anna. And there are lots of things that we can learn from this encounter. Mary and Joseph take Jesus to the temple and first they meet with Simeon. Before we delve into this, I think we need to put the reading into its context. We're told that Simeon was waiting for Israel to be saved. Well, remember that during this time, Israel found itself occupied by the Roman Empire, by the military force of that empire. And so just like um, lots of continental Europe at the end of World War II, Israel was occupied and the Jews were being oppressed and persecuted by the Roman forces. Life was tough and so there were many people in Israel longing for a new leader, a leader that they called a Messiah who would free them from this oppression and bring them a new hope. This leader was a leader that they were waiting for, they were longing for. And so there was a culture of expectation, watching and waiting for a new and better hope. And we're told that one of those people who was watching and waiting was in fact Simeon. But perhaps Simeon was different to others, inasmuch as the Bible tells us that Simeon was a devout man and the Spirit of God rested on him. He lived his life in step with God. And in fact, he went to the temple on that day, that day when he met with Jesus and his family, because the Holy Spirit had prompted him to do so, had prompted him to get up, to leave whatever he was doing behind, and go to the temple. And there, in the temple, he comes face to face with Jesus. Well, first of all, that begs the question, are we living our lives in step with God? Are we following the promptings of the Holy Spirit? 
A few weeks ago, when Glyn James, our curate, was looking at that whole episode of Jesus' baptism, he challenged us to think about what it would look like if we found ourselves in a car with Jesus. Where would he be, Glyn asked, in that car? Would he perhaps be in the back seat? Part of our life, yes, but almost like a distant memory in the back of our minds, amidst all of the other busy things that were going on. Would he perhaps be in the passenger seat? Are we people who might be pleased to journey with Jesus and do life with him? As long as we can retain control, as long as we have our own hands on the wheel. Or is Jesus in the driving seat? Is Jesus the one that steers our lives and guides us through life's joys and life's challenges? That's a big question and only we can answer it. But the passage today challenges us to think, are we living our lives in step with God? This lockdown has brought lots of challenges and it's certainly been a difficult time. So much so that for many of you, finding time for God just may be impossible. I get that. It may be such a stressful time that thinking about one more thing is just one thing too many. But for others, this has been an opportunity to focus again on God to read our Bibles more, to pray more, to seek the Holy Spirit and to invite that Holy Spirit into our lives. And if you haven't been in that place and not been able to do that, then I want to encourage you to use the weeks and perhaps even the months that are left of lockdown to seek God. You know, think about how you can draw closer to him. Think about perhaps beginning every day with just a few moments of prayer, seeking God and inviting the Holy Spirit, come, come into my life. On our website, you'll find a whole section on prayer, including some helpful tips on how to structure a daily quiet time. And I'd really encourage you to go and have a look at that and to think about how you might implement that as part of your own daily routine. Spending some time in stillness and praying isn't simply good for us spiritually, it's really good for us physically too. Stepping away from the busy rush and just taking some time to focus and to think about the things that really matter. Then, of course, there's also reading the Bible. And the Bible is God's love letter for us. The more we read the Bible, the more we understand and grow in our knowledge of God's character, his goodness, his faithfulness, and his love. The Bible can be a really difficult book to understand. And even as a vicar, after years of theological training, there are times when I really find myself grappling to understand some of the difficult passages in the Bible. That's why I find a tool like the Bible in one year really helpful, because it breaks the Bible down into small bite-sized chunks. It helps us to understand those chunks too, with some really helpful insights in good commentaries. 
It only takes about 20 minutes each day. And there is even now an express version, which you can start and finish in under 10 minutes. I highly commend it to you. And from my own experience, the more I read the Bible, the more I understand and know how much I'm loved by God and how much I learn to love others too. The more I read the Bible, the more in tune my life becomes with the ways of God. And then there's also an opportunity to perhaps think about how we can be turning the isolation of lockdown into connection, finding Christian friends perhaps who we can journey with, do life with, who can encourage and nurture our faith. Speaking personally, I know how much I've benefited doing life alongside older, wiser, more mature Christians who've journeyed with me and encouraged my faith. We don't do this Christian life in isolation because it's really hard. It's really challenging. And just like when you put a, a cold, black coal into the heat of the fire, it soon becomes a blazing, blazing hot coal in its own right. And so we need each other. We need to be encouraging one another, nurturing one another's faith. And that's why I often talk about the importance of small groups, connect groups, which are opportunities to connect with God and to connect with each other, encouraging one another on the journey, encouraging one another to walk in step with the Spirit of God. So if you're not in a connect group, then use this new year. And we're still in January, still time to do New Year's resolutions and to keep them. Why not think about joining a connect group? There are a few now and all the details are sent out on our weekly email at the beginning of each week. And you'll find them too again on our website. Have a look, think about how you can get involved. And if there isn't a group meeting at a time or a day that suits you, then why not think about setting up a connect group? There's a challenge for you. I'd love to hear from you and I'd love to help you do that and to resource that as best I can. The more connect groups that we have, meetings throughout the week, and the more people who are uh, meeting together to encourage one another's faith, the better. Simeon was a man who lived his life in step with God. The Spirit of God was upon him. And so it's no surprise that he left behind what he was doing and he went to the temple that day. And he was watching and waiting in the temple for the coming of that promised Messiah, that new and better leader that he and many people in Israel were waiting for. And it came. The promise was fulfilled. Simeon was in a remarkable position because the Spirit of God had revealed to him that he wouldn't see death until he came face to face with that Messiah. But you know, watching and waiting in the temple that day, things didn't turn out as Simeon had expected. I wonder if you were living in Israel at that time under the oppressive grasp of the Roman army. I wonder 
if life had been difficult for you in that season, what kind of leader you'd have been waiting for. They were waiting for a strong military leader, someone who had been trained in the skills of battle, someone who could overturn the might of Rome with a sword. And so Simeon found himself in the temple, watching and waiting. He must have had preconceived ideas. He must have had an understanding of what he was on the lookout for. Watching and waiting. There come this young couple, Mary and Joseph. And in Mary's arms was the baby Jesus. And coming face to face with Jesus, Simeon knew that God had fulfilled the promise. My eyes have seen your salvation, the salvation which you prepared before the face of all people, to be a light, to lighten the Gentiles, and to be the glory of your people Israel. Jesus, the baby in Mary's arms, was the Messiah that Simeon had been waiting for. Now Simeon knew that he could depart in peace because God's promise had been fulfilled. The one who would save Israel had come into the temple. But gosh, he must have had a shock. He must have realised that God was the God of the unexpected because this was not the rescue plan that Simeon or many other people would have been waiting for. This was a, a simple, humble, newborn baby being presented in the temple by his parents, Mary and Joseph. I wonder if you've ever found yourself in a situation where you're looking to see where God is at work, where you're trying hard to see where God is going before you. If you've ever been in that situation where you're watching and waiting, trying to work out where God is at work. If you're in that place now, remember that God is the God of the unexpected, that he doesn't always do things as we might expect him to do. It's true that his character is always consistent. He's always good, always faithful, always loving. And he always keeps his promises, but perhaps not in the way that we'd expect. So if you're tempted to say when you find yourself in a situation where you're trying to see God at work, this is how God does things. This is how God has always done things. And this is how God will always do things. Then I want to challenge you to think again. I want to challenge you to think that Perhaps you're putting yourself and your ways, your wants, your desires, the things that you feel comfortable with before the things that God is actually doing. And imagine where one might have been if Simeon had done that. Because on the face of things, what Simeon proclaimed in the temple was an absurdity. How could freedom for Israel come through this little baby in Mary's arms. It made no sense. That little baby had no hope 
of standing up against the Roman Empire. And yet, and yet, the Spirit of God was on Simeon. Simeon lived his life in step with God. Simeon refused to get in the way of what God was doing. And he had eyes that were open. Eyes that were expectant. Eyes that saw not what Simeon wanted to see, but eyes that saw what God was doing. And that's where we need to be as we're living our own Christian lives. We need to refuse to get in the way. We need to see what God is already doing and be prepared to step in and be a part of that. And you know, the reality is that many churches, they, they die on the altar of tradition because they refuse to see what God is doing and join in with it. They insist that this is how God has always worked. This is how God is working and this is how God will work. They get in the way and they refuse to live in a way that is in tune with what God is up to. And my hope and my prayer is that as a church family, as we begin a new year, we'll be like Simeon. We'll have eyes to see. Eyes to see what God is doing and a willingness to join in. And that takes bravery. It means stepping out of our comfort zones. It means going to places that perhaps we'd never expected we would end up. But that's what living the Christian life in tune with the promptings of God's Spirit looks like. And that's what I want to challenge us to do this year. To realise that God is the God of the unexpected. To realise that his character is always consistent, but he is always doing things in a new way. And that can be daunting. None of us like change. None of us like to be pushed out of our comfort zones. None of us like to have to learn new skills. But yet I think that the story as it progresses is really comforting. Because after Simeon has proclaimed that God's fulfilled his promise through Jesus, he's reminded us that actually Israel's freedom comes through him, through his life, his death on the cross, true freedom comes not through the overthrow of Rome, but the overthrow of sin. That our relationship with God is uh, restored and renewed. That that good news that is at the heart of the gospel, that good news that calls us out of our comfort zone, it, um, it is good news, not just for Israel, but it's good news for everyone for Jew and Gentile alike. And then we meet with Anna. And I think this is the comforting thing. 
Anna is someone who is diligent in prayer. She is a widow, having been married for only a short time. She lost her husband in a time when there was no social security or support for widows, in a time when women were entirely dependent on their husbands for support and financial help. And losing her husband, Anna would have effectively been cast aside. Things would have been quite hopeless for her. But she is diligent in prayer. She goes to the temple day by day. And she knows that that God whose character is always consistent, even though perhaps unexpected, is good and faithful and loving. And when she comes face to face with Jesus, she rejoices because she knows that this is a God who comes close to her, a God who draws near to her, a God who is with her. And that's great news in itself. But to say that and to say only that would be to give you half a story, only a little bit of the hope that we have as Christians. Because this is a God too who not only draws near, he's a God who knows something of our joys and our sorrows. He's a God who's experienced success and failure, a God who knows joy and pain, a God who's experienced human life and human death. And that means that as we journey with him, he knows what we're going through. So he's not just with us, he empathises with us. And that's incredible. It means that as we proclaim that Lord, who is always good and faithful and loving and true, as we remember that that God is a God who, although he's always consistent, always calls us to find new ways, challenging us to venture out into uh, new ways of doing things. We know that as we're drawn out of our comfort zones to places that really make us feel uncomfortable, he is with us, alongside us. We don't do it in our own strengths. We do it in his. And that's just incredible. He gives us all that we need to venture to the, those new places as we proclaim the good news in his name. So there it is for another week. I hope that we can draw lots of lessons from this story. I hope that we'll spend time during the week ahead thinking about how we can live our lives closer to Jesus, more in tune with the promptings of the Spirit of God. I hope too that we'll think about how we need to be careful not to get in the way of what God is doing, but have eyes to see eyes that are wide open, that clearly see how the God of the unexpected sometimes works things out in a way that we don't expect. And I hope too that we'll have the courage and the bravery not to insist that God does things in the way that we want or the way that we expect. 
saying that this is how God has always done things. This is how God is doing things. And this is how God will always do things. But that we'll have the courage that when we see what God is doing, to be prepared to join in with that. And as we join in, to know that he's with us every step of the way. And that incredible God of the unexpected. Well, you know how we've used technology during lockdown to reach out and share the good news and meet together is just one way of how God can use new things to bring great hope to the nation, even in a troubled time. So, lots of lessons, and I hope lots to think about. Many challenges too. But I hope that as we think about those things, God will bring us to new and fruitful places. Amen. according to their needs. In our cycle of prayer for today, we pray for street pastors everywhere. And abroad, we pray for Egregia Episcopal Anglicana do Brazil. We also pray for Archbishop John in this his retirement year, and for all the clergy in our ministry area, and all their families. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Let us pray to God, our gracious host and divine guest, giver of all good gifts, loving God whose foolishness is greater than human wisdom, 
Strengthen your church to proclaim the faith of Christ crucified. Let no contempt or opposition hold her back from her duty to the world. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Have mercy on a world made foolish by misuse of knowledge and power. Grant to those who think themselves wise the simple truth that is the only hope of, for humanity. Where there are families in need, bring comfort. Where there is joy, give blessing. And may the presence of Jesus protect and sanctify all marriages. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. As the daily miracle of your creation brings food and drink for human needs, have mercy on the hungry of the world. Give eager hearts and ready hands to give relief. Give wisdom and a desire for peace to all world's leaders and guide them to engage fairness in the distribution of COVID-19 vaccines. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Comfort and heal those in pain in mind and body, particularly COVID victims and all who are suffering because of the pandemic. Guide carers in all capacities and give them resilience and strength to carry on with their work. We commend to your love those who trusted in the cross and now a call to the great feast where the faithful departed rejoice in the fullness of the divine love. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. May the Lord, who most bountifully answers every need, hear us as we call upon him in our prayers. In communion with all the saints, we commend ourselves and one another and all our life to you. Merciful Father, accept these prayers for the sake of your Son, our Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen.
Well, thank you so much for joining us this week again. It's been really good to have you with us. Before I give the blessing, I just want to give a big heads up to the virtual Lent course that we're going to be running over Zoom. We're going to be following the Bible course from the Bible Society, which gives us an overview of the big story of the Bible and helps us to understand how all the different books fit together as part of God's big picture. I hope that you'll join us. There'll be a mix of videos and an opportunity to chat together in small groups. And it's a really great course. More importantly, of course, it's also an opportunity to get together over these next couple of weeks as we journey through Lent towards Easter. All of the details are in the bulletin and on our website, so have a good look. Uh, lastly, I hope that you have a really good week and although I'm sure there are challenges as lockdown continues, I hope that you will have eyes to see at least a couple of the blessings that we can identify in our everyday lives. Have a great week and again, if there's anything we can do, please be in touch. The blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit be upon you and remain with you always. Amen.